Hello and welcome back to the Motorsport Better Podcast. I'm your host GD, and joining me once again today is my friend and your co-host Vedant. On this episode, we will be talking about the F1 Iberian Peninsula doubleheader taking place in Portimao and Barcelona. So, let's grab some chai, take our seats, ready our opinions, and dive right into the conversation. Hello, Vedant. Finally, we have a doubleheader of F1 weekends. Finally, we don't have to wait two weeks, three weeks, or which feels like forever to get some more F1 racing under the belt. Um, what are your thoughts going into the weekend? Well, hello, Divya. Absolutely, like it's been two weeks since the it, it's it's going to be two weeks since the uh, race in Emola, and it as you said, it feels like forever. But heading into Portimao and Spain, I believe we can see the most competitive racing, which, like, obviously the season is going to be very competitive as a whole, but after Barcelona, the pecking order might just settle down a bit because the the teams will start focusing on the 2022 car. And these two races will be crucial for these teams to cement that, you know, cement that edge over their direct rivals. Uh, yeah, you bring up two very interesting points there, Vedant. Uh, so the first being, obviously, the fact that we should have a clearer pecking order uh, at the end of these two races, especially after Spain. Uh, and secondly, the fact that most teams um, will probably want to stop developing their cars or have a better idea of uh, how well the cars are performing after Spain and should stop developing in the next two weekends. We remember that Ferrari did say at the start of the season that uh, you know they'll, be, they'll stop developing the 2021 car after Spain. Um uh, so there's, there's a lot to look forward to it, which again, you know, coming back to the first point uh, about the pecking order. So last year, the midfield was much closer with, you know, racing point, McLaren, Renault, uh, you know, basically trading punches, you could say. Uh, one of the teams were faster one place, one of the other teams were faster the, in the other place. However, this season, I feel the pecking order is much more distinct between the teams, you know. Uh, on the top, obviously, we still have Red Bull and Mercedes fighting, and it does seem that Mercedes has clawed back a lot of performance from their, uh, you know, from how they performed in Imola. But Red Bull does still seem to have the edge. However, lower down the order, uh, we see that McLaren definitely has the best race space, even even though they haven't been able to put the qualifying together. Uh, whereas uh, Ferrari would slot right underneath them, and then AlphaTauri followed by Alpine and Aston Martin, which is a little bit iffy. You know, we haven't seen uh, Alpine or Aston Martin. Uh, grab a lot of points or you know they've, they've been trading punches over the last two races so not not a whole lot of performance coming from them so it's hard to tell them apart where they're on the grid but um definitely you could say that the pecking order in the middle is right there with mclaren followed by ferrari followed by alfa tori and then uh, in the bottom it's probably more like alfa romeo williams and then haas so a much clearer pecking order uh, this season however the racing has still been exciting thankfully uh what I wanted to get your view on, though, was also about AlphaTauri losing points in the first two Grand Prix, even after showing a lot of pace both during testing and during the um, during the practice sessions and qualifying, but not making it come, like not getting it together during the race. Yeah, certainly, we saw in Imola, you know, Yuki Tsunoda had a miserable weekend, and uh, Pierre Gasly's strategy certainly did not help him, and. You're right, because as AlphaTauri only have eight points and they're just three points above uh, Aston Martin, which is 
not the real like which which does not display the real real pace yeah so i really hope they do get the act together yuki sunoda obviously is a rookie but he he needs to you know make better better judgment in a way and he they need to get those uh, performances together to to grab those points and not lose points consistently because at the uh, during during testing we hope that alpha tori were right there with ferrari and mercedes uh, and mclaren fighting for p3 hopefully but as of now they're still fighting for p5 which is a disappointment to say the least i mean yeah absolutely you can see ferrari and mclaren uh, took away a total of 75 75 points from the first two races right with ferrari having 34 of those and mclaren with 41 and uh, you you could technically argue that um alpha tori even if they finished um let's say 9th and 10th in both both races they would have a few more points uh if not more had they gotten the strategies had they gotten the weekend together basically especially on the sundays so uh i think alpha tori would have been up there with ferrari and mclaren had they especially like pia if pia gasly hadn't had a terrible sunday uh, on both the past weekends um and they would have been contending for what would have been at least the fourth place on the constructors championship rather than being 26 points behind ferrari so i think alpha tori is uh, basically wasting their chances of you know having easy points before their rivals in alpine and uh, aston martin catch up to them eventually through uh, through the course of the season uh one thing about yuki you mentioned you know like everybody has come on twitter and say you know yuki is overhyped and what not and he needs to make better judgments but remember the last red bull driver who who got such criticism is the lead red bull driver right now max was having <laughs> crashed seven yeah. times in the first seven weekends and now Absolutely. he is well he is uh you know the world favorite for the world champion this year so you know yuki might just be one such other character but definitely you know you you, you want the rookie to do well you want him to perform well and prove himself but um, i don't think red bull are going to move yuki around even if he doesn't perform well this season that much as long as he's showing some raw pace on the track uh, but yeah nonetheless we do want yuki to finish in the points and you know perform well um, now podima last year was an interesting race so just a little recap um, about the races from last year so that we remember you know what happened last year and what we can expect a little bit this year um, podima was definitely a little later on uh, it was uh, it was in in late october so uh, not the same time frame but the podium race had a lot of interesting features lewis hamilton won his 92nd uh, race making him the giving him the title of the most race wins um, in f1 and this weekend lewis hamilton has a chance to score his 100th pole uh, and become the first person ever to have poles in three figures um, last year charles leclerc drove a brilliant race and qualified brilliantly in fourth Uh, and finished in fourth. Similarly with Pierre Gasly, once again, you know, Pierre Gasly had done really well um, in Imola last year, but uh, and failed in Imola last year after qualifying well. Same thing happened this year, and uh, similarly in the uh, in Bahrain. Uh, and once again, Pierre Gasly has been presented with an opportunity in Portimao, where he did well last year to do so again, uh, finishing fifth last year for AlphaTauri too. And Sebastian Vettel too had a great race in Portimao, uh, finishing the points. Uh, one of the very few times he did so during. the course of the season last year for ferrari um so yeah a, a lot to look forward to and again you know once again coming back to pierre gasly that man has the potential he just needs to get a sunday together um and then carlos sainz once again he he, he performed well in portimao last year finishing 6th for mclaren uh, and we are hoping to see a little more pace for him 
this weekend uh, moving forward. Now let's talk about Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo. Lando Norris didn't have a great weekend in Portimao last year, finishing 13th. Uh, although Daniel Ricciardo did finish in the points behind his um, teammate Esteban Ocon at the time. So um, wh- what can we expect from Lando Norris and Daniel Ricciardo going to this weekend? So far, um, they've had a very clean, you know, very clean season, you know, all in all. Uh, there have been no crashes. They haven't had any penalties. They haven't had any... Uh, bad luck so far, you know, it's been a pretty clean weekend. Obviously, Daniel Ricciardo has struggled in the car a little bit, but um, uh, especially uh, Portimao, could that be a game changer for Daniel Ricciardo or, you know, moving to Barcelona, which which is a track that all the drivers know well? Yeah, I think uh, Barcelona will be a good reality check for all these drivers and all these drivers who have moved teams. It will always also be a good, you know, uh, check and good benchmark for the teams to judge their cars from last year but going into Portimao I don't I personally don't believe that Daniel Ricciardo can quite step up his game right now because as we know Portimao is a very tricky and undulating circuit and you know to get uh, if, if you're if you're already struggling with a car with your car on a, on circuit on a circuit like Bahrain on like Imola obviously was a tricky weekend, but still, uh, Portimao might be a bit trick trickier to get uh, to get to grips with the car. But coming on to Lando Norris, he has been in the form of his life for the past two races. His race in uh, his race in Imola was sensational, and he clawed those points away from the top two teams and now that is something which we need to keep in mind going forward because McLaren and Ferrari are going to claw back those points and if any of those two teams you know uh, Ferrari, uh, Mercedes or Red Bull if by chance they have a driver behind the Mer- the Ferraris or the McLarens that that is what will change the championship very much over the course of the season. Definitely. We, we saw Lewis Hamilton lose a lot of time behind Lando Norris uh, during the Imola weekend. Uh, obviously, the conditions were different, but you could see that the McLaren could hold up um, even in those tricky situations against a really fast Mercedes. Certainly, yeah. And I think the the Ferrari and the, the Ferrari and McLaren rivalry, which goes back ages, is starting to come alive once again. For the past few for the past few years, Ferrari were the top three, McLaren were lagging behind, but now both of them are firmly in the midfield and vying for for uh, vying to be in that perfect place at the perfect time to grab any podium position or even a win. Absolutely, you made a really good point there, both about Ferrari and McLaren, and about the fact that um, it's going to be a tricky race for all the movers. Uh, in Portimao, all, 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 the, all the drivers who moved teams uh, over the last season. Now, uh, uh, moving on to Barcelona and recapping what happened in 2020, it, it was a difficult race for Charles Leclerc. Uh, he had that seatbelt issue and, you know, it, it was brought to everyone's notice that the FIA didn't take note of that and he was not penalized for yeah. it, although he did end up retiring. Um, yeah. Sebastian Vettel had a surprise, surprisingly great race in uh, Barcelona, finishing 7th for Ferrari. So, um, uh, on a one-stopper. So, 
That was pretty good on his part. And Carlos Sainz once again kept his streak going of finishing the points in P6 uh, for, for, uh, for McLaren at that time in Barcelona. So we can expect a lot more from Carlos Sainz going into this weekend. I feel uh, he loves the Barcelona track and hopefully that will allow him to get to grips with his Ferrari and finally, you know, show some um, ultimate pace in that car. Uh, Valtteri Bottas had a hard time in Barcelona uh, last year, but the, the two racing points did finish fourth and fifth. Sergio Perez had a great race. Uh, and I feel Sergio Perez really needs to perform in Barcelona this year. I think it'll be, like you said, you know, it'll be a benchmark for the drivers who move teams. And I think this uh, Sergio Perez's race in Barcelona will go to show uh, as to how comfortable he is with the Red Bull. Uh, per se, last year, Alexander Albon did not have a great time in that car. He finished P8 uh, after starting P6 um, in Barcelona. So, not that great. But Pierre Gasly also made it into the points in Barcelona. So, again... Um, Another two like back-to-back scoring opportunities for Pierre Gasly. Lando Norris again had a disappointing race in Barcelona last year, finishing P10. So not the best Iberian GP weekend uh, from last year for Lando Norris, but hopefully he'll turn <laughs> things around with the current form he is in. Uh, so yeah, um, anything else you want to touch on um, about these two weekends? So we haven't touched about the teams further down the order, right? And I think it's it's high time that. Alpine and like Aston Martin have been scoring points. Lance Stroll has been scoring. Lance Stroll has scored points in both the weekends, but it's high time that Sebastian Vettel and you know Alpine, the entire team, get their act together, because if they want to challenge that midfield, if they want to challenge Alfa Tauri and you know Ferrari and McLaren, I think two races were enough to lag behind. If they lag behind more. It will be game over for them. Uh, yeah, definitely. And, you know, they've been struggling and languishing. In Q2, you could say almost, they haven't been able to come get into Q3 all very comfortably. Um, and, uh, and another thing, you know, Kimi Raikkonen had a brilliant race in, in Portimao last weekend. He came from, he started, what, P17, P18 in his usual position. Well, he, he didn't have a great race. He had a great first lap. And then he did finish out of the points, though. But he, he did have a great first lap. Yeah. We can, we can only hope that Alfa Romeo, with the, with the pace they are showing right now, a better pace than last year with that new Ferrari power unit, can, you know, fight with Alpine and Aston Martin for the last few points positions. Yeah, although, I mean, with, with the current pace that Alpine and Aston Martin are showing... Um, you would imagine that they would not finish in the points if 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 Alphatari were able to get their shit together, you know. Uh, because if Alphatari gets their shit together, they're literally sealing the points finishing positions. Because yeah, you, yeah, you have five teams. Because um, you have Mercedes, you have, you, have, you have five teams that should finish in the points um, theoretically with Mercedes, Red Bull, McLaren, Ferrari, and Alphatari. So exactly, you know. Uh, but coming if, back... If these lower midfield teams, like whoever is leading the lower midfield will get those two extra points if there's an incident further up ahead. So you need to be in P11 at any given moment of the Grand Prix. Absolutely. Um, I totally agree with that. Alpine did come out after the Imola GP though. Uh, and they said, you know, that the upgrades didn't work, weren't designed specifically for Imola. And, you know, it didn't show the true potential of the upgrades. So that will be interesting whether uh, to see whether Alpine was just being defensive on their part or whether they truly meant what they said uh, and to see if there's any performance gain over the over these two weekends. Um, 
But the biggest news I feel this weekend has been uh, about Red Bull making moves behind the scenes, you know, poaching Ben Hodgkinson from the Mercedes, uh, Mercedes AMG uh, F1 team. And uh, there have been rumors that Ben Hodgkinson has been trying to get people at Mercedes to come along with him to join the Red Bull engine program, uh, which will which will be its independent program starting 2022 when Honda uh, leaves F1 at the end of this year. Yeah, certainly Ben Hodgkinson has been with Mercedes for the past 20 years in that uh, Formula 1 power unit program back since back when it was called Ilmore. And that experience is certainly going to play pay dividends for Red Bull very much. And I mean, you you could say, you know, that Red Bull obviously is paying him more to get him to, you know, design the engines. But that is the competition and that is what Red Bull wants to do because they don't want to be a customer team anymore. We have seen it from, uh, you know, the Red Bull management that their comfort level with Honda right now is too high because they can get whatever they want. They can extract whatever they want from Honda. So unfortunately, Honda is leaving, but Red Bull still want to be their own bosses in terms of the power unit. And that is why they want to make all that investment into it. I mean, yeah, and one could argue that the uh, that the Red Bull Honda engine in 2021 is the class of the field uh, with the pace that Red Bull is showing uh, on the straights and, you know, uh, over in Imola and Bahrain. So you could argue that, especially the qualifying pace. But another interesting question that comes to my mind is the fact that um, is Honda's move to F1, like Red Bull being forced to have their own engine development program because of Honda leaving F1, is that putting... Red Bull into a new era of their um, time in F1. Is, is, is this going to be redefining for Red Bull? Because finally they will be a truly, you know, a true constructors team with their own engine and their own chassis. So will this be era defining for Red Bull uh, moving into the future? Because uh, we don't know what's going to happen in 2025. We know we're looking at sustainable fuels. We know we're looking at, uh, you know, some engine changes, power unit changes. But uh, could this be era defining? Could this be what forces Red Bull to be a true constructors team uh, for for the rest of the time, for the rest of their time in F1 at least? Well, it certainly is a new era for them because I think even McLaren have never had a, have never had their own engine program. McLaren have al- always sourced the power units from elsewhere. Like it, it uh, like the deals with Honda and Mercedes were factory deals, but still they stores those power units from elsewhere and with Red Bull putting in that investment to build their own power units we have the engine freeze right now but in they they certainly would hope to build their own power units for the next regulations you know that would be where you know they need to get get it right because right now they use they'll use the Honda power unit which will go on for five years but two years whatever three years but that 2025 power unit regulations will be key to their time as an engine manufacturer. Yeah, but but I'm asking this, uh, I ask this question because, you know, uh, poaching someone like Ben Hodgkinson from the Mercedes team is no mean task, right? Uh, and they, Red Bull have come out and said that they want the best in the business to be on the Red Bull engine program. They're looking for the best channel that is out there. And that to me shows intent to the fact that, you know, uh, Red Bull are trying to commit to a long-term engine development program, which means, you know, they will want to manufacture and design their own engines in the future. They might, you know, again, go back to third parties like um, with like ABL or like a consulting firm, or maybe even go back to 
another engine manufacturer and have a deal with them later on uh, uh, you know, in 2025 or so forth. But uh, this definitely shows intent to the fact that Red, this is a long-term investment and this is not only up till 2025 or like a three-year, uh, you know, a temporary uh, deal for them. Yeah, I th- definitely. But, because uh, Red Bull had that taste of success for the four world championships and they want that success again. They couldn't get that, you know, those titles with a customer team. And during those four titles, Renault was essentially a... Uh, factory factory supplier for them and that is the comfort level they want to operate at so uh absolutely and um i can't wait to see what red what the red bull engine program produces well uh that's all for my side uh, about this weekend uh, vedant any closing thoughts from you i think these two races are going to be very important for all these teams to as i said to cement their place in the standings and go ahead and you know start investing in the start spending time on the uh, 2022 regulations so i just hope that we don't see any underperforming uh, drivers and cars uh absolutely absolutely well um let's see what happens this week uh these weekends uh well thank you vedant for joining me today here to talk about f1 and thank you to our listeners for listening to us and we'll catch you on the next one